word of the Lord. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Amen. How many of you practice the art of resolution? Of New Year's resolution. You think to yourself, all the things that you did poorly last year, all those things that you wish you hadn't have done, and you look forward saying, what is it that I can do better this year? I don't anymore. <laughs> because what I have found is that in my own strength, in my own way, I tend to make resolutions that are unattainable. Or at least they seem unattainable because I never attain to those resolutions. So they must be unattainable, right? I, I think too highly of what I could possibly do. And so I set expectations way too high for me to be able to do I'm going to lose 150 pounds. That would be terrible. But that's kind of what we do, is we think to ourselves, I'm going to accomplish this. Or we think, I'm not going to do this anymore as well. Right? No more sugar. The year of 2017 is the year of no sugar. And we go have tea right afterwards, get a little sugar. Resolutions are, are those weird things that we feel like we need to do. We should always be improving. We should always be getting better. We should always be working and striving. And what this psalm that we see here lets us know is that that's not the case. Now, it's not saying that we don't need to work. It's not saying that we don't need to, to have goals. But it is really changing our perspective of how we need to look at work and how we need to look at goals. So a French philosopher named Jacques Ellul. I like Jacques a lot. I've never met him personally, but I like reading things that he wrote. One of the things that he said about the age that he was writing in, and I think it rests with us quite well, is this. The first great fact which emerges from our civilization is that today everything has become means. There is no longer an end. We do not know whither we are going. We have forgotten our collective end. And we pass great means. We set huge machines in motion in order to arrive nowhere. See, what Jacques Ellul is saying there is that we look at everything that we have is how we need to operate and live. 
that we move ourselves in such a way, not knowing where we're going, but knowing that we have everything that we need to get somewhere, in some place. He's saying we've lost our true identity, our understanding of self. This psalm presses in in a very confrontive way to us to encourage us to understand that God is the one who is ultimately in control and that all the means that we have is pushing us towards him and him alone. What does it say to us? Today. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. There's no reason to rise up early. There's no reason to stay up late. Eating the bread of anxious toil. Why? Why do we do it? Now notice there again, he's not saying you don't need to build a house or you don't need to watch. But he's saying that unless it is done in the proper understanding of who we are with God, that it is anxious and filled with toil and task, but not rest that God has provided for us. He says this, he gives to his beloved sleep. God desires for you to not worry and stress. God's ultimate desire for you is to rest in him. To know that he has everything in control. That's why he created Sabbath. Walter Bergerman wrote a book called Sabbath as Resistance. Now, Sabbath is a time of rest. It is setting aside a time where we don't toil, where we don't work. But he says that Sabbath is actually a resistance to the world and what it calls us to do. He says that it's a resistance to anxiety. It's a resistance towards coercion. It's a resistance toward exclusivism. And it's a resistance towards multitasking. That's a great book and you should read it, but I'm just going to give you a couple of ways that this rest, this idea that God is in control, that I do things, that I move, that I have my being in him, but that I don't have to toil what it does for us. So a resistance from anxiety. One of the reasons why anxiety creeps into us, and we know that there are many reasons, is because we think we are the ones that everything rises and falls with. That if we aren't the ones that step up and do these things, that if we're not the ones that accomplish this, then it's just not going to happen. And you notice in that that we obviously begin to think very highly of ourselves. We begin to look at ourselves in a way that really moves God off the throne and puts us on the throne. And when we do that, we begin to have anxiety. Why? Because things don't go our way. Things don't operate in the ways that we have planned out. Now, sometimes that really doesn't bother us, right? It's a little thing that really probably doesn't really get to us that much. But sometimes it's the little thing that points out exactly 
that we are living lives of toil and not lives of rest. So, as a way of example, how many of you have a dishwasher at home? I have five. (laughs) I also have an automatic one. (laughs) I have a particular way that I think dishes should be put into the dishwasher. Now, I personally load the dishwasher and unload the dishwasher some, but it is a task, a chore for my children to do. When I release that job to them and say, I want you to load the dishwasher, I have given up the right to say, that's not the right way to do this. But every morning when I go up to make my cup of coffee and to unload the dishwasher as we prepare for breakfast time, I pull out the door, I pull out the tray, and I notice that those things are not put in the way that I would like them to be put in. And instead of saying to myself, oh, My children did exactly what we asked them to do. They washed the dishes. How great. Or so good to have a clean kitchen and that they were obedient. I go, (laughs) yet again, another day and another time that they have not put these dishes in the dishwasher in the correct way. because of my anxiety. It forms anxiety in my heart that they're not doing it what the way I want them to do it. Did it get done? Yes. Did they get clean? Most of the time. If you did it the right way, they would be at all clean. <laughs> but do you see how even in the little things, to, ha- to be in a place where we go, the Lord is in control. Did things get done? It's okay. I don't have to have anxiety. It's a resistance towards coercion as well. Coercion is what the world wants to do to you. It wants to contort and form you into what they want you to be. Now, we live in a place that strives and moves and longs for everyone to look and act and be very similar. Why? Well, because it's easier to control. (laughs) It's easier to target. It's easier to aim. It's easier to compel if everybody thinks and acts and looks the same way. And really what the world desires to do is coerce us in our hearts to get us to take our eyes off the fact that God is on the throne. Satan did it from the very beginning, right? The fall. He didn't really say that. He just doesn't want you to be like him. And we hear it and we say, yes, you're right. He doesn't want us to be like him. And so as Sabbath, we step away in resistance of the coercion that the world is giving. Why? Because the world says you've got to work, 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 work. You've got to succeed. You don't want to be a failure. You don't want to not have things go your way. You need to pursue your dreams. You need to go after all your realities. You need to be all that you can be. And what God says is, you are already all that you need to be. 
And as we walk this journey together, I will reveal more and more to you of who you are. And know that I am deeply and madly in love with you. And so Sabbath, that act of resting and going, I don't have to strive for some worldly ideal of success. Even though success isn't bad. Even worldly success is not bad. God has used many successful people in his kingdom to bless his kingdom, to expand his work. But it's not our goal. And so we have a resistance of coercion. We don't allow the world's ideas to seep in because we rest in God. It's a resistance to exclusivism. See, exclusivism gets built this way. There are those who work, there are those who do, there are those who are good citizens who make society right, and then there are the others. You know, the others, the ones that get in our way, the ones that make it hard for us, the ones who aren't pulling their weight, the others. But what this passage encourages us to do is rest in God knowing that we are all the same. That God loves and pursues each one of us. And so I can't look at anyone else as another. I can only see them as someone God is pursuing. As on the journey with me. As we walk along. As God calls both of us to himself. And so there's not those who have succeeded and those who have failed. There's not those who are in and those who are out. There are those of us who walk along with those others who are no longer others but our brothers and sisters. And then he says there is a coercion or resistance towards multitasking. You know what multitasking is? It's a belief that you can do many different things at the same time. We all attempt to multitask. What we really do is we build ourselves up. And the true task is looking at how great we are. I can do seven things at one time. Aren't I great? I can take care of this situation and answer this problem and do this thing. How great am I? As opposed to what Sabbath rest says, what, what this resistance does, it's saying the thing that is in front of me is at this moment the thing that I must be engaged with. That I have to put all of my faculties, all of who I am, everything that God has created me to be into this thing. Why is that so important? Well, it's because of this. Sabbath rest, this passage, pushes us to the understanding that in our reality of God and who he has made us to be, the most important thing is the birth of relationship. That we have to have this resistance to anxiety and coercion and exclusivism and multitasking because God gives us rest 
so that we can have right relationship with him and with each other. Notice what he says here about children. And, you know, I've got a pretty full quiver. <laughs> right? So I'm, a, I'm, I'm not bad off here. But it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children's of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. When Eugene Peterson is talking about this passage, he says this, that when we read that, we recognize that the work of a child being created really has nothing to do with the two people who are involved in creating that child. And it's really not work. <laughs> you see, what he's saying is, is that God is the one who forms a child. God is the one who, before the foundation of the world, has created what that child will be. God is the one who is breathing life into that child. And so it's not a toil. It's not something that I've done to create my progeny. But it's the Lord who has done that work and has given that gift. And so it's not raising up people saying, men who have lots of children are better than those who don't. That's not what it's saying here. What it's saying is this, that rest leads to right relationship with God and with each other because he's the one who does the work. And it gives us the opportunity to have relationship. That's the reason why all of our work is not about the means. And it's not about the end. It's about relationships. And they are the means. And they are the end. Right? That God works together in our rest, in our time of understanding that he's God, that he's in control. It gives us the opportunity to step back and to go, who can I love today? Who will love me in return today? God has pursued me, and he loves me. And so I now, in turn, love those around me. I can't help but love them, even when they get on my last nerve and don't put dishes in the dishwasher correctly. I love them. Why? Because they are created by God. And he gives birth to that relationship. If there is anything that we can do in the new year, if there's anything that we can possibly do to make us better, any resolution that we should set for ourselves, it might only be this. How do I stop trying to love and just How do I move into a place where I can accept the gift that God has given me in his pursuit and love for me? And in accepting that, be able to show it to other people. That we sit back and we rest. Now that doesn't mean that your job goes away and that doesn't mean that the discipline of your children goes away and that doesn't mean that driving to the store goes away or that all of a sudden magically food's going to appear on your table all cooked and done. 
but there are still tasks to accomplish. But maybe if we understand that God is in ultimate control, and in that control it is not a under-his-thumb type of control, but it is an embracing, loving, grasping, holding control. Then, when we go about our lives and our daily activities, we do it in a way where we know God has accomplished all that needs to be accomplished, and I can rest knowing that if it succeeds or if it fails, God loves me, and I can love those around me. That if I get this task done or I don't get it done, God loves me, and I can love those around me. That if things go my way or they don't go my way, God loves me, (laughs) and I can love those around me. God calls us to rest deeply in his love. Church, those of you who are here, let me encourage you to rest in God's love for you. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us. You are holy and mighty and true. We ask that you guide us, that we will rest in you, that we will know that you have made work for us, but not work to attain prize and possession and success, but work that will lead to relationship so that we can know your love deeply for us and love those around us. Father, guide us in that. Let us know you are ours. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.